All right, guys, so last week you heard the first half of our dive into the male perspective with Scott and Jason. This week the conversation continues as we talk about how friendships change um, as your life stage goes on, and we also have a little Q&A session, as I told you about last week. Get ready! To track mind to a kind To find friends you'd be hard-pressed to find When the world is one-note song With a wrong sense of time You need a two-track mind Alright, guys. Uh, talk to us about these friendship changes. I feel like... I know, right? Um, Because this is something I know that I have dealt with a lot, or I've, this is definitely, you know, throughout my 20s, something that I was constantly trying to, like, carve out and re-evolve is, like, who do you take with you in each stage of your life? Like, from one life stage to the next, are you always carrying the same people? And if not, how do you choose who stays? I think also for me, it's like, as a long-distance friend in a lot of cases, it kind of ends up making a, a hierarchy that that initially makes me uncomfortable. Like, I don't want to have to choose who I visit when I go home. I don't have to choose who I have Skype dates with, but you only have so much time. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I know this has been a really hard transformation for me, especially as someone who feels like they're really loyal and, like, never wants to turn their back on anyone. What about you guys? I'd like to kind of start so that (laughs) Scott could reflect back some of the things that I said, kind of hopefully to his experience. And maybe you have hindsight, maybe you don't, but... I feel like I'm at this rock, not the rock bottom, but I'm at the thick of it right yeah. now, yeah. where I have zero hindsight <laughs> about what this experience is like because I feel so detached from friends. Wow. And it's really hard. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, it's like this group identity is like important as, as important as the individual identity. Yeah. And um, like you were saying, you don't know who to choose, like who to carry on in your next stage. I'm having trouble like just who do I be with? Yeah. On a daily basis. Like, yeah, like, I, I don't have anyone to choose huh. from. To give the listeners a, <laughs> a sense of context, I just wanted to say this because I, I felt the same way. You've just transitioned from the master's program in mm-hmm. which it's a super tight oh, cohort, I, super we, tight experience. For the first time in my life, I was, like, part of the cool group, part of the I felt group. like. You yeah. Yeah. The first time. That was the wow. first time in my whole life. Yeah. Huh. And it was ama- And it felt like summer camp. Right? Well, yeah. Just seeing all my friends, and now it's not like that at all. Yeah. And you're kind of, sometimes when, when you transition from the master's to the PhD, I kind of joke about this. I'm like, I felt like I had to make all new friends. It's actually, I think it's not even the transition. It's, it's the same for PhD students who go throughout. It's the third year blues, we call it. Because, like, in your third year, all of the master's students who were two are years gone. left. So your co- cohort goes from, like, you know, 75 people to, like, you know, 10 or 15 who are who are left from your, like, original group. And, like, because I'm from Southern California, yeah. I still have my high school friends here. And then I have a lot of my uh, college friends that are down here as well. Right. And so, I, but I don't see them even though they live just an hour away. Yeah. And I and I have on sometimes, but, you know, they're just, like, chugging beers, yeah. like, smoking pot, and I'm like, like, college, like, wow, but, like, I, I don't want to do That's that at all. And you kind of touched on it a little bit, like, yeah, it'd be fun to party, and it's a little enticing to, like, want to have that freedom, but yeah. I don't want to do that. I don't feel, in the moment, I don't, it doesn't feel fun. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's weird to, like, feel like an outcast when I hang yeah. out with them. And so I don't... It's like, who's my no, group right now? Yeah, the friendship thing. I don't... It's, so who do you want to hang out with? Like, what's the energy you want around you right now? 
We are your friends. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, Gollum. Yeah, I can't touch on that, but I'm. Uh, uh, who do I want to hang out with? I don't know. I want to just have a friendship and people to lean on and feel vulnerable with. Oh my god, I really want you guys to like get closer. So <laughs> I want a romance, guys. Lean in. Yeah, I don't like high quality interactions. Yeah. That's what I want. That, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. And so you're struggling right now with like it's not even bringing people into the faith. It's like you don't feel like you know who who the you don't know who to have high quality interactions with. Yeah. Um. We can see Scott thinking. And, His and eyes last, went up. Last to the thing sky. I want to touch on is like yeah. this. I've also struggled with like always texting my high school friends or mm-hmm. college friends yeah. and always texting these people. Yeah. To hang out and I like rarely get texts mm. or really get invites from you're them. The and like sometimes I'm always the initiator. So it's like at what point I'm like. I, I'm, I'm sick of just always trying to push on what's going on in work, yeah. you know? And do you feel like, like, sometimes this is something for me, too, and something I've come to realize is this, like, I'm also just a better organizer. I'm a better scheduler. Like, I'm just, like, I'm, and because I think of the phase of life that I'm in, yeah. I'm better at being, like, hey, guys, no, we're, like, we're not going to talk, though, if we don't, like, put it in the calendar. Right. And I think some people just really don't have that mentality and, and, and really don't want to, like, schedule things. They want everything to happen organic. Um, but then, you know, maybe also they just don't like, like, I don't know. But And I've had that in my, I've had that <laughs> in my Strength 360 feedback. Ah. Like a little feedback where we ask questions to all our friends. And, I recall. Yeah. And so I got that, actually. Yeah. So, like, and people also get used people also get accustomed to you being as you are which you as the initiator that's a good point and i i noticed this when i as you know i've made a lot of like significant changes in the past couple years and it's really hard to just kind of okay put on the brakes i'm gonna pull back a little and Mm -hmm. let's see let's see if the people let's see if people if now they can be the ones to kind of come to me. And and for, for a while, that doesn't happen because no one likes a uh, change. Everyone likes kind of being in their, in their Roles. equilibrium. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I started to do. And I feel like I used to have so many more friends than I do <laughs> now. Now I'm like, I think I have like five friends. <laughs> and, but I think that's part of this phase is kind of like yeah. pulling mm-hmm. back and then starting seeing to identify like and seeing who has a draft I totally I, I totally agree that's and, and um I hope you're not listening Tom but my brother for example Tom like he you know same thing it's like with certain family members I think I've been afraid not to be the one reaching out because then what if we don't have a relationship and family is so important to me but sometimes I like I pull back just to see what will happen like I think I've, I've hit a phase in the last few years where I'm like I need to know like would you actually ever contact me if I didn't like bug you all of the time um and, and the answer was about a month and a half so it wasn't so bad it took him about a month Wow. Enough to get to me with That's my great. silent, yeah. So, um, so that was one one relationship success story. But Scott, what about you? So I, while well, during this conversation, I've broken my friendships into the five phases. <laughs> like five, Damn. like five specific groups over the course of my life that I yeah. can think of. Um, okay, essayist. Yeah, and so I'm not gonna like talk through all five, but I think. The interesting thing is, one, like, understanding, like, the people that are consistent across those five. Like, I have two people across those five yeah. that have always been there. That's been my best friend, Alex, that I've known since I, I love was, Alex. Hi, Alex. That I was, like, that I've known since I was, like, five. Right. We have yeah. always been there for one another for over 20 years of Most friendship. beautiful best man speech I have ever heard, by the way. Alex yeah. killed it. He killed it. It was pretty solid. Made yeah. me cry. So yeah. it was pretty good. 
Um, and then also my friend Jim, who you met, who have, we've also, all three of us have kind of really grown up together in a lot of ways and played music together and like have just shared a lot of moments together. But it's this strange, like, I think the people, because I feel this with my family a lot too, that I, like, relationships in my family have been, have become very difficult to maintain. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like, with my friends as well, like, I felt like the last two sets like groups of friends like the friends from college and my friends from graduate school to all of you um have been have felt the most meaningful because i have and this also includes my closest like alex and because you're all the people that understand what i'm trying to be Uh, and like you actually like think about it and care about it and like you Mm -hmm. understand like Mm. It becomes incredibly difficult to relate with older friends or friends when they just yeah. don't understand who you are as a person versus who you used to be as who a person. Yes. Oh, man. That's so... Oh. That's it. He cracked it open. He cracked oh. it open. Because, like, I have such a difficult time whenever, like, I'm talking with people and, like, it's a different conversation where it's like, hey, remember that time? It's like, remember that time? It was great. But, like, <laughs> let's talk about, like, what we're doing now right. and, like, what I'm looking to do in the future. And, like, right. if I start telling people, like, what like what I do at work and they just, like, eh, I don't really get it. I don't really want to. Mm-hmm. Like, like, those friendships are incredibly hard to maintain mm-hmm. because that is something that I do like 40, 50 hours a week and it's something yeah. that I'm passionate about. And I have a really hard time with my family with that because it's the mm-hmm. thing of like on two levels. One, because like it, my my mother's family is very, very large family. Tons of aunts and uncles. <laughs> Lisa! All, all, Lisa, very eccentric. Like people and like, but since my, my mother passed away about five years ago and like since then, every time I'm around them, I see that I am the reminder of her yeah. and it is really hard for them. Yeah. And at the same time, like after like after that happened a couple of years after mom passed away, I moved out to California. And so like they see me as like I'm the cousin, the grandson that like left. left. Like yeah. I left and yeah. went out to like find something and they don't understand that. Because to them, like family and being close and being around for one another is all that matters. Yeah. And so like they don't understand like the things that I'm trying to achieve in my life because they're so different than all of the other things that, like, my cousins and, like, the third trying to because they're all, like, I mean, most, a lot of them are married, but, like, they're having kids and, like, they're doing, like, buying homes close to their parents and, like, I'm not doing that. And mm-hmm. so it's hard to maintain those relationships, too. And so, like, I feel like my closest friends are the ones that have understood the transitions I've made based on the experiences I've had yeah. and the goals that I have. And the true friends are the ones that never like they may question why you're doing it but they question it is, is like a mechanism to understand you right. because they love you and they care about you and they want to continue to understand you as you change and help you change yeah yeah and it's the friends that like stop until like your point like they don't check in they don't really necessarily care mm-hmm. what's going on not that they don't care it's just like they're not as there's something about that friendship that's not fulfilling anymore. It's yeah. not. It may have fulfilled a need at some point in time, and I hate talking about relationships that way, yeah. but it can be true. It's just that, like, the friends that I have stayed in contact with, that I constantly, like, try to be around or talk to, are the ones that, like, I, like, I'm doing my best to understand what they're trying to do in their life. Like, yeah. they're the people, like, if I, if I ever think to myself, like, I was like, I wonder what this person's, like, goals are. Right. Like, if I think that, then I think, like, that I know I care about that person yeah. because like I want to be something in your life that like even in some small way like helps you move towards that goal. Hmm. Like I think like whenever we've finished like we've done like really like deep weeks of rehearsal or like yeah. even like gone through like 
really, you know, like, tenth semesters together. Like, if I have this feeling, like, I am better for having been around these particular people over the last few months. Yeah. And so, like, I, you get to moments where, like, you stop feeling that around certain people, and then, like, that, yeah. like, it's hard. It's like, it's if, it's like, there was there at some point, but then, like, it, that relationship no longer, like, you've gone separate ways. And it just happens, but it's, it's tough. I'm, even though that's difficult, I'm kind of glad that we're talking about this because, well, number one, Susan and I talk about this all the time, yeah. but we're like, uh, like we our improv yeah. friends, like, they need to be in our lives, f- like, forever. <laughs> you're, you, you're, you're people that were taken into the different we're phases. Uh, so pack your things. <laughs> so, um, but the, another thing is, I spent a lot of time, I think, being self-conscious and at times kind of beating myself up for not having more friends from the the past phases. Mm. I used to think that there was something wrong with me in a way. Um, like, why don't, why don't I, and Facebook kind of makes it so much oh. fucking worse. Like emotional anguish. You see like evidence of like the choices you can't, you like didn't make. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, okay, what if I had never come to California? What if I had kind of stayed with the group who is, you know, they're all doing like wonderful things, but for, for the most part are like in Massachusetts or like outside of Boston and they're having babies and mm-hmm. they're, they see their parents all the time. And there's just like this community that I feel really isolated from. And at times I'm sort of jealous of that. But I also know that just like you needed to come to California and, you know, to, to you needed a transition. So did I. And I think I'm one of the reasons I'm having a really hard time thinking about moving away. If, if that's something I like have to do is because for the first time in a long time, I finally found, like, I feel like you guys are my people, and I don't, I, d- I don't want to leave that. Yeah, I feel like I have been my best self in California. Aww. Like, I have, like, I have been my most confident, like, I feel like, like I'm around people that get me, yeah. and yeah. that, like, I, like, it's, yeah, it's it's an interesting. I mean, I look back at like the friendships that I thought like really mattered, and I see like some of my friends like when I think from like my first like phase of friendships in like early like childhood and school. Like looking back, like there's some people that will, like you know you have those friends from your past that, like post a really like a racist article on Facebook, and you're just like fuck. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be different, <laughs> but you just like understand like yeah, like I like that was a relationship that I outgrew for whatever reason. But like I think. Letting go of friendships and being okay with yeah. moving mm-hmm. on is incredibly hard, yeah. but essential. Well, and I think also, you know, for me, while still loving those relationships, like, I think it's it's hard to know I kind of need this relationship to end or at least change the format that it's in, but I still love you. Like, it's, um, like, I don't know, I almost mm-hmm. think of every friendship I create as, like, a star in the sky, right? But, like, yeah. what are what are the planets that are actually in my universe, right? Those are the things that I pick. But that doesn't mean the stars in the sky are any less beautiful to me. It feels really good to, like, let go of a friendship that I'm, like, trying to make happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that feels yeah. really, and it's, like, 
it feels really bad to talk about friendships like serving in need right. or like no, using. Yeah, it feels like a using kind of yeah. tone that I hate talking about, but it feels good to be like, no, I'm just not going to talk to you. Yeah. And I think that also comes from like seeing my brothers, my older brothers, so I get a lot of ideas of masculinity and like what it's like mm-hmm. to be to develop as a person. Um, they have like strong groups of friends that they still have. Uh, since high school and they still hang out oh, with them wow. and they all wow. hang out in the same area and they all live mm. in the same area and I try to grab onto my old friends like that for that reason you create that, yeah. um, and the more I'm learning the more of I'm becoming my own self it's like a liberating thing to be like no I don't need that to define my masculinity and, or define and the myself. amount you feel better when you do let go of like a relationship that's been struggling or you let go of a relationship that like really I feel like you know sometimes I'm holding on to for the wrong reasons like I'm mm-hmm. holding on to due to loyalty or just because it's like something that's supposed to be there man I have had some tough conversations recently about like changing the terms of a friendship or like trying to be yeah. open and like instead of just like sometimes you just let something naturally go and sometimes I don't know with certain relationships it's like we have the talk like we have like the relationship yeah. talk but friendship style and I think it's always such a challenge but I've actually found really good things to come of that yeah. right now I'm in a situation where one of the friendships that I had let go of mm-hmm. um, and it took a long time to heal from that in you you knew me right in the beginning of that. And yeah. it was like running into an ex for me. Um, so now, fast forward, like, years later, this person is kind of showing interest in wanting to get together. And it's... Yeah. It's, <laughs> I'm, like, paralyzed because yeah. I'm like, well, yes, but I cannot go back to what that was. Like, I'm so different now and I'm changed. Mm-hmm. How, is there a way that I can kind of take control of this and be like, well, here are the new rules of the game. Does it feel good that someone wants to hang out with you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... I'm like... Yeah, that's Healthy narcissism? Right. Yeah, it's like the ex coming from <laughs> back, me. right? Yeah. It's like, it's that fantasy you always have if somebody oh breaks God. up with you. Like, ugh, they want me back. And I laugh maniacally. Right. <laughs> And I also, like, I've noticed, like, when I've gone through, like, changes in my life, like, you know, we talked earlier about, like, me going from, like, being really shy to, like, finding, like, things that made me confident, that some friends that I was really close with whenever I was, like, much more shy were not okay with me being confident. Yes, right? When you change and the people who don't, can't go with you on those journeys. To them, I was incredibly arrogant and selfish. And... I, I can certainly see myself as arrogant at times. Mm-hmm. I can definitely give like give off that vibe for sure, and so that's that's something else that I struggle with. But like, I, it's this weird thing of like that I changed so much that like I, in that group of friends, I was the person that everyone came to when the world was coming down. That yeah. like if like some if the other people in their lives had betrayed them, I was like the person they could count on to be there. Mm-hmm. And then whenever I was trying to like, whenever I wasn't available anymore because I was out like I had people that like other people that needed me like that wasn't okay mm-hmm. whenever I wasn't that like like a quiet reserved person that was always going to be there for you like whenever I started trying to be there more for myself that was less okay and it yeah. is I don't know that was that was difficult that was like a difficult transition of a, a lot of the people that I hung out with like at that time like I very like those relationships just fell apart in a lot of ways so. yeah yeah 
It's hard. People hate when you change. People hate when you change. Yeah, well, but some people don't. But some, some people yeah. support it. And yeah. those are the people, I think, who stay in your yeah. life. And those are those the people are the that ones, you want like you to surround yourself with are the people, like you're saying, who ask the questions to understand why you're changing yeah. or ask the questions to, like, figure out what you're doing. Those are the people I always find I can bring into any new mm-hmm. life phase. Yeah. yeah, I see that a lot in my family. Because yeah. I think about when I started to stop being shy and I started to, like, express myself and talk more and yeah. be very comfortable. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing. Being, feeling comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um People would be like, we got to get you out of Oregon because that's where I went to undergrad. And that's when I started to kind of feel more comfortable. We got to get you out of Oregon. We got to get you out of Oregon. They say it's a sarcastic, it was a joke. It was was funny. But like at the same time, it's turned off by the weirdness of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas other family members would kind of be like, oh, I knew Jason as this like innocent, shy kid. But now Mm -hmm. you've really grown into yourself. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that I feel like almost like more attracted to just want to be around and talk to yeah yeah because they saw you as something more than one dimensional always Mm -hmm. you know that sparked a very vivid memory that i have from whenever i started doing um just in general like i was seen as the more the 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 very liberal cousin or relative (laughs) in the family and it was always like joked about like once i started like going to college and like when i was doing theater and improv and stuff like that it was always joked about that I would be the cousin to bring home a girl of a different color in my family. And like, that was like this, I was just like, that always like blew me away. I was like, one, can you say that? But two, like, that's like, that's a really bizarre thing to say. It's just like that something like that I was inherently different from every other cousin I have because like I changed in this way because I became confident in something that like, It really points out the cultural norms, too, when they yeah. do that. I think it's supposed to be a joke, but, like, what they're really pointing out is what the assumptions of what is okay and not okay in their reality. Mm-hmm. And, like, in their reality, it's, like, certain things. Like, you're supposed to stand in a line in a certain way, and if you don't, like, that's weird. Yeah. And Oh, sorry. But I was just going to say, like, I think that, you know, I think I actually was, you know, hoping for this in grad school that was, like, finding more like-minded mm-hmm. people because it's something that my sister, like, thanks, sister, like, had always prepared me for that she, because she said her best friends came from grad school and she's, like... And, parents said. Yeah, and, like, she was, like, the reason for that is because every stage you go up, like, you're, you're you know, you're following your passion. You're going to be surrounded by more like-minded people mm-hmm. who have similar goals. So, like, every stage, the percentage of you finding people who are on your wavelength, like, skyrockets up. Oh my gosh. Ah. Uh, Every day is hard for me right now, and I, because <laughs> that came out way too intense. Because I almost want to like take all of my California friends aside one by one and be like, "Give me your five year plan. Where are you going to be? Because if, if you're going, and then tally up how many are going to be in SoCal, right. and then how many are going to be on the East Coast somewhere, and then I can just." weigh weigh the numbers and make a decision it's it's really hard right now because that is true and as we progress like the more the more comfortable and the the more knowledgeable we are we are about our own selves and um oh there's a part of me that's like Emily, should you have just gone to grad school, like, on the other side of the coast? Because then mm-hmm. it wouldn't be this hard. And I think people people end up in California for a reason. They say that in AA all the time. They're like, you don't end up here by mistake. That's how I feel about California. Two-track mind, two of kind. Two fine friends, you'd be hard-pressed to find. When the world is one. Uh, I guess 
guess last thing is that um, we wanted to give you guys a chance. Do you have any questions for girls? Do you have any girl questions? Anything you're always wondering about, thinking about from our perspective? These are real. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, maybe not that. I wonder if there's a difference between the way um, genders ruminate on Mm. relationship issues or people-oriented issues. Not not to turn it back on you immediately, but, like, do you think that men have, like, a different... This is one question we had before. Do you think that men have a different language? Because, like, it's women, I feel like, have a wide vocabulary to talk about their feelings and, like, how do they process things. It's, like, really socially acceptable for us to journal or, like, you know, quote-unquote gab. Do you guys feel like you have that same luxury or vocabulary? I want to answer that, but gab? What is that? <laughs> like chat, like talk. Yeah, like girl talk. Like gab? when you're gabbing. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard, never heard gab of that? Gab? Gab? Wow, gab. <laughs> it's it's just all keep saying it. Nope, it's just gab, gab. G-A-B. Yeah, huh. but it's just a word. I'll have to look that up later. <laughs> gab. Unless someone has a history of that. <laughs> the etymology of it's, gab. Yeah, it's like chit-chat, gab. Well, never heard the gift of gab? No. The gift of speech? Oh my god, this is, is it a book? crazy. Mm, oh my god. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> the gift of gab. That's a saying. No, yeah, it's just like something people say. Like if somebody's like a real chatty Kathy. Have you heard of that phrase? This is yeah. going to be yeah, this entire say, segment. It's actually not, not a common <laughs> It's usually like, it, it's t- tinted with it like usually, some negative. Yeah, because it's usually not substantial conversation. Right. Like, I know, jab. All right. Okay. Anyway, what was your... <laughs> so, That's why girls always spend a long time in the bathroom. Well, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Uh-huh. You know? And so I think that that would... But I haven't read the whole thing yet, but like I know parts of it talk about different languages in the sense of dealing with issues that men are problem-focused. Fo- uh, problem mm-hmm, How do yeah. I fix? How do I mm-hmm. fix a situation and yeah. offer advice in a way that fixes something? Or I need to go to my cave to deal with thoughts, mm-hmm. right? Or it versus women... This is what some people talk about, including the book, uh, are more want to just talk, mm-hmm. not in a way to fix, but in a way to just have their voices be affirmed. Mm-hmm. And then they actually don't want to fix things. I think that... Okay, I like wrote down man cave. I know that Scott has something Oh, too, shit! But Sorry. I want to hear what... I want, you, everyone's gears were turning. So. I wrote down Everyone, man like, cave. Everyone their hands. I wrote down man cave as like one of the things I was super interested in because I just thought that it subtly... That, that you know, as a concept, subtly conveys this suggestion or this idea about how men are supposed to deal with things. Um, or like, oh, I, I need time away in my private cave where I can go brood or go think about things or just sort of recharge. And for, for women, um, I definitely think that a lot of my friends and I, we, it's called like, we, we like to process things out loud. So mm-hmm. like, I want to talk about things, not to necessarily solve it, but I'm even gaining clarity about how I feel about things while I'm talking. And that throws Sam for a loop. <laughs> I think that like men like the conversations that I have with even like my closest male friends and even I I realize this a lot so since I'm traveling for those listening like I travel to Seattle from Los Angeles every week for work and whenever I talk with Kaylee my wife on the phone at night I realize we talk about different things when we ask the question how was your day Hmm. I will say the things that I did so true like I will talk about the things that like I'm doing like when I talk with my male friends like oh I've been doing this been doing this been doing this and Kaylee will talk about things in the way that like she did but like in the way she feels and so like it's 
Jason, you're actually an interesting like exception to this. Like you and I will talk about how each other feels about mm-hmm. things much more often than I have with any other man in my life, huh. which is interesting. So, but great. and it's one of those things that like I see like I think it's just like an improv thing. Like improv is so emotion based yeah. that you yeah. have to talk about emotions openly to actually mm-hmm. get to the heart of the scene. But I think it's so much like as men, like it's always like a. Not like trying to compare yourselves, but like to make to be showing that like you're doing things. You're a man of action. Yeah, Me- mechanic yeah. talk. It's like yeah. I don't even know about cars, but like yeah, the car does this. Oh, this does this. Yeah. I did this. It's like kind of this talk, gabbing about. Uh, that is right. Yeah, you yeah. did. Yeah. 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 Oh my god! I mean, that was about... an unhealthy narcissist. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like gabbing about just like describing. Yeah. Right. Do you feel like you guys are, like, you say you do that with each other, which makes me really happy? Like, do you feel like you want to do that in more situations and and don't? Or does it just, like, not even really occur to you? Uh, No, I, like, I definitely, I definitely do in a lot of scenarios. Like, I wish to, like, especially, like, when I'm talking with Kaylee, like, if I would just say, like, the way that I felt about certain things, it would alleviate... Like, so many misunderstandings. Like, yeah. just in general in my life, I say, like, I feel this way about this thing. Right. Like, this makes me unhappy because. Right. But otherwise, I, like, I just don't say that. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this huh. thing. Like, and, like, not saying why I'm doing it, but, like, I'm going to do this, and that's what I feel I need to do in this situation. Uh... There's an exercise that Sam and I kind of do all the time because I noticed that that was becoming a problem for us, too. And I think... I think a lot of people are not used to having to identify how they feel about something yeah. where we can show emotion really easily. Like we can externalize, but to identify is difficult. And there will be time, like if we're in, in the middle of talking about something, mm-hmm. I have to make a conscious effort to just sort of ask, like, you know, cause if I say, how was your day? He will guide, kind of guide me through everything he did. Yeah. And so I have to sort of identify and say like, okay, well, how, how are you feeling right now? Like, how did that make you feel? And he's very resistant to it. But if you, if you, tr- if if you make that an intentional thing, I think it makes for such great communication. I think there's this thing, like there's this like unlocking or for me, like as a man, I feel the way that I've been brought up. If I'm not given permission mm. to feel vulnerable or yeah. express my feelings, I should not do it. Huh. Because, like, I feel that, like, I'm meant to be, like, stoic and, like, strong. And, like, like, we talk about this. Like, whenever I've had things happen in my family, like, there's very, very, very few moments where, like, I have broken down because yeah. of the like, commotion. Like, otherwise, like, I try to keep it in. And unless someone says, like, it's okay for you to tell me how you feel right now, I won't do it. Right. And just, like... I yes. think it's, like, so ingrained that. sometimes for me also that when someone says, but how do you feel? Like... I'll be so confused so by that question. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be like, I, f- I feel good. I feel good. Like, yeah. yeah, it was a good day. Yeah. I was like, this was good. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> I just, I can't, I can't even answer. I can't think about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's funny you brought that up because I don't really think about that in conversation. But I do notice that, that I'm like, but how did that feel? Are you excited about it? And that's the part of me that loves to like get deep and really know somebody yeah. individualistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, kind of like, talk more global focused on how someone's approaching their life than just to hear about like like the things that they're doing. I don't know. I guess that and it's not to everybody just to you, Scott. No, I think it's that does that is what like I talked about earlier about like our conversations that yeah. I do feel like it is and I do it to certain people and I think it's just unique also. 
All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop us to do your answer, just to answer your rumination question. I don't know. I think that, because we, did we really answer that? No. Because um, I feel like the answer is, I don't know. Um, when you ruminate, you mean like like think about something, like or a problem that's like going on? Is that what you I mean? don't know. I just, I, I'm like, not sure if there is an answer I'm seeking. Okay. I just wanted to bring it up that I think it would bring up. Some differences? Some differences. Yeah, I don't know. It did. I don't know if this is a gender thing. Um... But I tend to do this thing that Sam and I call uh, future tensioning, mm. whereby I will, I always assume, I, the, the, the anxious part of me always assumes that the worst case scenario is going to happen. And I have a tendency to process things really quickly. So a lot of the, the, the fights that I get into with, with people or with Sam or, or with a friend, if, if I see something happen, that in my mind sets off this chain reaction and can lead toward, you know, some sort of terrible thing. Like, well, if I don't resolve this with Susan right now, then we're never going to resolve it and we're, we're going to drift apart and then we're, we're not yeah. going to be friends. You do like, kind of, like, kind that of, yeah. thing, if I, basically the way that my brain works is I see a stimulus and then a chain reaction and then I, how I react is not to the stimulus but to that catastrophic event. I do that a lot. Scott, did you have any questions for us? Oh, I had one. <laughs> um, it's okay. It's all right. I have a question. I know. Everyone's Jason has a question. No, no, no. I want you to answer. Mine is going to be something very short. So I want you to. You ask your short question while I try to remember what mine was. Great. It's also going to bring up a lot of conversation. Okay. <sighs> all right. Sweet. You get to ask this question and we get to answer in one sentence. Okay. okay. Deal. This is very controversial. Okay, great. But I think a lot of people that we may call ignorant or we, we don't want to be around may ask this or say this as a uh, statement. What do you guys think about the idea that women are crazy, mm-hmm. driven by uh, hormonal shifts in their emotions, mm-hmm. unstable? <laughs> men are stupid because they're driven by their dick. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I say. Men are, men, are, uh, men are stupid and women are crazy, right? Um... Okay, there's no way we can do this sentence. But yeah, we this could be a whole, that could be a whole show problem. 30 seconds, we're each going to answer it. My answer to that is, I mean, every stereotype comes from something. So I don't think that stereotype came out of nowhere, but I don't think it's based in what it, it, the face value is. So women are more hormonal. Like, we are. Biologically, we are more we hormonal. Get, we have but, but that does not mean that men aren't. That does not mean that men are not allowed to feel that way. But, like, biologically, on a monthly to the moon cycle way, like, we do have more hormonal changes going on. And and the way that our evolution has developed is that the, we've, you know, we, uh, there, we have, like, maternal instincts and we have, like, certain, like, nurturing instincts. Those things have been... Uh, you know, naturally selected for over time. And I think that's where you get this, like, women are crazy thing is because I I think that until recently, we also haven't really had the language for, like, how to talk about our hormonal shifts. It just, like, even me, like, when I was young, like, if I felt hormonal, it felt like being crazy because you didn't know that your body was actually doing something weird. You just were like, why am I so sensitive today? Like, I don't know because I didn't have the language for it. So I just thought I was off my rocker. Um, and I think the men are stupid thing, you know, kind of comes from because men have been told to be so stoic and have and I've been told to focus on doing. And I think a lot of the things that people are looking for, like women are looking for you to be like emotionally intelligent. And that trait has only been like attractive recently and like brought in. That's my answer. I think also from an evolutionary perspective, women definitely 
are more attuned to the kind of state of the group. And yes, that can be conflated with being a people pleaser. But growing up, I was always kind of, I probably acted crazy or looked crazy because I was all, I was thinking about, well, okay, how is so-and-so doing? And how does what I just said make this person feel? And what is the sort of state of our group? So I'm trying to maintain, or I'm trying to assess three different relationships sort of at once. And I, um, it's our friend Nick that I think gets, gets my goat about this a lot. And he'll say something like, woman, you're acting crazy. And I will say something like, well, I'm, I'm thinking about like how, well, how Richard's feeling and about what I just said and how that's affecting you. And I can see how it's kind of like this really clear manifestation of that stereotype. And what's on Nick's mind is just like, he's, he's hungry or something. Right. Like, he's not thinking about the sort of relational aspect of that. So I think, yeah, sometimes that can look crazy, but we're just trying to juggle a lot of things in our minds. Cause Two questions. One, there's a lot of interesting, like, if you think about, like, Trump and all the stuff, like, the comments, like, that arose from several, like, uh, like, a decade ago, but, like, this notion that, like, a lot of Republican supporters dropped out because they have daughters. Yeah. And this notion that, like, your viewpoint towards women changes when you have daughters. And, one, how you feel about that, and two, whose viewpoint do you think you changed? just by your mm. existence in their life and the way that they may think about women differently because of you. Uh, and then the second question huh. is um, if the characteristics or traits that or behaviors that you see in men that surprise you, that when you see them, they surprise you, and you don't think they should. Like, it's one of those things, like, it's a positive trait that you're like, I'm surprised this man has this trait. And you wish you weren't surprised to see it. That, like it's a good treat. Yeah, yeah. that is so. I'm okay. I'm ready immediately. I'm ready immediately, but also I yeah. feel so overwhelmed by that question. Um, I need an example too, because I'm confused. Let me, let me attempt. To, let me attempt to provide it. Um, I always, and this is you know, super just being like my family's the best, but like my brothers, I feel like are an example of, of the second part of your question, and that I'm always so thankful to them for, and I think that. You know, growing up, people might have, like, probably would have said that they were sensitive or would have said that they, like, weren't the typical guy. They were never into sports. They were more of like, your, like, artistic types or, like, you know, history nerdy types, like, that kind of thing. But I have always thought, like, both of my brothers are extremely empathetic and are extremely, like, um, interested in knowing your feelings and, like, talking to you, like, as a person. And we have a six and nine year age difference. So, like, as a five year old, like, my you know, 11 and like 14 year old brothers would like treat me like a person and be like, okay, well, how does that make you feel? Like, what do you think about that? Um, and they would always just kind of like check in with me. I don't know, I guess in a way that made me feel loved, safe, and valued. They weren't afraid to like, you know, use language to like have those like words of affirmation or like tell me like that they loved me, that kind of thing. Um, and I always valued that. And I think that it was something that when I would, it made it really easy for me to turn people down, like, when I would start dating, because I was like, if you can't even, if you can't even, like, check in with me, or ask me, like, if you can't even do, like, half of this, like, forget it, and I know that the world has, like, would have called them sensitive at that age, but I think now, like, you know, their girlfriends slash wives super appreciated about them. 
Does that make, does that, does that make sense as an example? Like, so they're more like emotionally, they're more in, in touch with their emotions and not afraid to express them. Okay. So that's kind of like their quality. And in terms of like being a woman and seeing that effect, I definitely think, especially in college, there were just times, I think the biggest thing that I've seen that change is that there are times when like, like I was a biology major uh, specifically for the first two years in like pre-med and there was just a lot of guys in there and a lot of them who I think didn't even know that they had like the preconception that like women shouldn't be good at science or women aren't good at like aren't as smart or aren't as capable and so when they would see a girl not to toot my horn but when they would see a girl killing it in the science lab they I think it changed their perspective of like what women were capable of and I saw them accept that and like soften to it and like change as a result yeah. Okay, first question is who have whose life whose life has I have I changed? You have the 45 seconds. I'm going to definitely say Sam, which <laughs> sounds super egotistical, but I mean that in a very practical level. He he's the oldest of five boys. Um I don't think his mom ever really like burped or farted in front of him. So I have been like a crash course in that. <laughs> in women are gross. And we don't just wake up like this. Um, and then quality that I was uh, kind of astonished by and felt like I shouldn't have. I sometimes make a mistake that makes me feel fucking terrible when I do this. And I've caught myself kind of being horrified at myself. Um, a lot of the times when I see, when I'm talking to a guy who's either just very expressive or will say something like, oh my God, or like, what? Like, girl, or like, oh my God, I know, who kind of is similar to me in sort of like expressive mannerisms or is just very gentle and sweet and safe feeling. I've sometimes made the, I assume that with, I'm like, oh, they must be gay. Like that. I've caught myself a number of times feel, thinking that and been like, Emily, what? You, what? Why are you doing that? Like, that that does not put you in that category. Um, but a lot of the men that I have experienced are just de definitely much more the sort of, like, alpha male um, stoic stereotype. So I have to catch myself, and I don't mean that offensively whatsoever, but I'm like, wow, Emily, that's how big of an impact sort of society's messages have ingrained into your brain. Fuck that. To track mind to a kind To find friends you'd be hard-pressed to find When the world is all right, that's it for Scott and Jason. Thank you guys again so much for joining us. We really, really enjoyed having it. I hope everyone enjoyed listening to it, and we'll be back next week with a new episode. Bye, two track minders. Two